today on this episode of PV Roundup Specialist Spotlight. That would be my biggest, honestly, call to action is just get engaged. I mean, this is something, if it hasn't affected your community already, it will. Again, if we're talking about suicide, unintentional injury, or homicide, this is something that affects all our communities. Today, Dr. Chathan Sathya, the director of Northwell Center of Gun Violence Prevention, joins the podcast for this edition of the PV Roundup Specialist Spotlight. I'm your host, Senior VP Medical Director, Dr. Tim Wright, and joining me on the podcast today is Dr. Chathan Sathya. Dr. Sathya is the Associate Medical Director of Trauma and Pediatric General and Thoracic Surgery at Cohen's Children's Medical Center, and he serves as the Director of the Northwell Health Center for Gun Violence Prevention and oversees the health system's expansive approach to firearm injury prevention. Dr. Sathya, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So to start us off today, I'm always interested in the path others took to a career in medicine. Can you share that with us? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually, um, both my parents are physicians. So um, my path was relatively simple in the sense that, you know, early on I was exposed to medicine, volunteering and so on. And, and I was just super excited by it. I, I never really deviated away from that. And that's how it all started. Okay. And if I may, um, how did you choose pediatric trauma as a specialty? Great question. So I, I, I am a pediatric surgeon. So we, we right. do all elements of pediatric surgical care, cancer, trauma, and so on. But trauma is really my main area of clinical interest. And that really happened because during my residency training, I was fascinated by trauma and, um, you know, what goes on in the trauma bay, the amount of coordination that's required to save a life. So I kind of paired that with my love for pediatric surgery. You know, I really, really enjoy treating uh, not only children, but their families and taking them through that journey. And that's kind of where we came to be. Yeah, I do remember one of my uh, attendings when I was on my pediatric rotations. He's like, look, you know, when you're a pediatrician, you're saving years and years and years of life. We had a pediatrician on a couple of months ago who said internists are kind of just helping you at the end. So he also chose pediatrics that way. So another question that I have is how did you get involved in gun violence prevention? Yes, you know, um, first of all, it's really hard as a trauma surgeon not to be involved in gun violence prevention. You know, we are seeing this on the front lines, unfortunately, and it's a very frustrating and emotional issue, as you can imagine, right? Treating child after child with bullet wounds and, and having to tell parents that bad news over and over again. You know, you have to do something about it. And so at a very um, raw level, I mean, that is why this is something I'm interested in. Uh, I did spend time training in Toronto. That's where I became a pediatric surgeon um, uh, initially. And then I, 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 I did the bulk of my fellowship training, sorry, in Chicago. And that was a really eye-opener to me. You know, um, I've never seen gun violence levels like I, I had seen in Chicago. It was really a war zone and um, something had to be done. So I wanted to make this a focus of my career. I was already very much involved in trauma research. So that was an extension of this. You know, and as someone with a public health background, I'm always very interested and particularly in your approach of making this a public health issue. Mm -hmm. um, can you elaborate on that a bit? Yeah. So when I got here to Northwell, actually, just to take a step back, our CEO took a big stance on this issue. So that's what led to our development of our Center for Gun Violence Prevention here in Northwell. That led to me becoming a director. And, and, you know, that has really gone a long way in inspiring many of us at our current hospital to get engaged. Um, uh, when we talk about a public health approach, right, this is a healthcare issue. This is a public health issue. This is the number one killer of kids in our country. Uh, this is not a political issue. We feel very strongly about that. It's not about the Second Amendment. There are many other countries where gun ownership is quite high, actually, when you look at regional percentages, including Canada, where I'm from, uh, but they, they have not nearly the same level of gun violence. So it is possible to apply public health measures to make this safer and to stop this epidemic. 
And can you go a bit more into the hesitancy of the medical community around discussing or getting involved in gun violence prevention? Yeah, I think that that, that really comes from, you know, a, a societal view of this as a political issue, um, you know, a Second Amendment issue, when, when, when it really isn't. Our biggest supporters in the efforts that we do, you know, when it comes to the healthcare interventions to stop firearm injury are gun owners, right? The majority of gun owners in America are for responsible gun ownership. They're for safety. Why wouldn't they be? Mm-hmm. And um, that is what this is about. So we we really feel that, you know, healthcare has done a wonderful job in the past at destigmatizing certain topics, substance use, HIV, tobacco use, right? Even seatbelts were, were, were not an easy thing to get, you know, passed over time. Uh, we can do the same with uh, firearm injury. Okay. And do providers have a way to ask about access to guns and flag authorities if they believe the patient is going to cause harm or has been harmed? Have you worked out sort of a protocol to this? Yeah, so it, it, it varies state by state, but in general, yes. So in, in every state across the country, physicians can ask the question. They should be screening for access and violence risk confidentially and then intervening with a uh, counseling. Gun locks, safety counseling, violence intervention, these are all things that we can do and we know they work. There, there are no laws barring that at all. Now, when it comes to reporting, of course, the reporting is no different than with anything else, right? If a patient is risk to self or others, there are reporting um, opportunities in every state. And, and it doesn't matter if you have a gun or not. The same kind of applies. And so I did note that you are doing some research with an NIH grant. The study, I believe, is about gun prevention and implementing a uh, first-of-its-kind protocol to universally screen. Can you go into that a bit more? Yeah, of course. One of the issues we've had in healthcare is that we know that, for example, asking our patients about fire injury risk screening and offering counseling can save a life, but we just don't do it that way. You know, uh, around 10% of physicians across the country actually ever talk to their patients about firearm safety. And that's probably on the high end of a number, right? It's probably actually lower than that. So um, that, that's been for decades. Uh, pediatricians have been very good at it. But if you, if you look at all other specialties, it's a very low number. Right. This is not something we're taught in medical school to really screen for or to talk about. So we're looking to transcend that. The universal piece is important for this research. We're asking every single patient who comes in our hospitals these questions. And the goal there is it, it is an implementation study with outcomes as well. But the goal is also to normalize the way we talk about guns in the healthcare setting, to ask about it as part of usual care. That is the main goal of this study. No, and so which providers have you been doing this training with? Is it mostly pediatrics or are, is it pretty much across specialties? It's across specialties across the board. You know, we are ramping up to different settings. Um, the pilot study, the NIH study you're referring to is in the emergency department of three level one trauma centers. So, so three level one EDs. Um, so, the, so, you know, we're training emergency doctors, injury prevention coordinators, social workers, nurses, they're all part of the process um, and very integral to this, but we are simultaneously scaling to other settings. Yeah. And I mean, the other statistic that I knew of practicing emergency medicine is also self-harm, whether intentional or accidental. I mean, if we start asking these questions about, you know, having guns present, it's not just, you know, sort of the collateral damage or, you know, these shooters in, in situations, but also the accidental and intentional gun violence that goes on. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, that they need to simultaneously be addressed. And when we talk about gun violence, we're talking about firearm-related homicide, unintentional injury, and suicide. You're absolutely right. All different types of injury 
that all require different types of intervention. Yeah, I mean, I think it was always more comfortable, certainly when I was in practice or, you know, if somebody came in, you know, with either suicidal ideation, you know, or a family member was bringing that up, that you always asked those patients if they had access. But it was a very specific sort of encounter. And I don't think that certainly when I was in practice, we, we didn't ask it in a uniform way. Are there other ways that healthcare professionals can help bring about change and, and reduce gun violence? Yeah, so, you know, first and foremost, we can all implement these strategies in our healthcare settings, right? So screen, uh, talk to your patients about guns, offer resources. We know they exist. That's a great starting point. And, um, you know, patients are really receptive of this. So um, it's important to acknowledge that, you know, it might be an uncomfortable conversation to be had. But once you get used to it, they're very, very receptive. Of it. Yep. I'm sorry, ahead. go ahead. I mean, no. I was going to say, we, we yeah. all have uncomfortable conversations with patients. If you treat STDs, exactly. um, you know, other things like that, there's always uncomfortable conversations going on. Exactly. This is something we already do, you know, so we just have to view this as another uncomfortable conversation that we will we'll become comfortable as we have it more. Um, and then, you know, at a basic level, uh, research, right? When we talk about a public health approach, there's a lot we don't know when it comes to gun violence. Very little research has been done in this area. So if you're an academic, just, you know, if, and, and, and motivated, there's a lot of research to be done. You can do that as well. And then advocacy. You know, m- many of us have been affected by gun violence in the communities we live in or we're concerned about gun violence as it's spiking everywhere. Um, so you can advocate for, for a lot of things, um, whether it be state storage laws in your own community, red flag laws. Um, or just electing folks that you think are in line with your values. These are all important things you can do. No, that's great. And I mean, I think I, I don't like to project on people, but I think I hear some optimism, some cautious optimism. Is that, is that what I'm actually hearing? I think so. You know, it's, it's tough um, to be optimistic these days, especially with all the mass shootings that we're seeing. But uh, certainly, you know, on Monday, there was bipartisan legislation that was signed. It's a small step, but a step forward in the right direction. And I think, um, yeah, I, 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 you know, Every, almost every person you talk to, no matter which side of the political aisle they sit on, um, they're for safer communities, you know, and there's a lot of agreement and common ground there. We just tend to think that we're very divided. But um, I encourage everybody to have this conversation in your communities, because I think that's what makes the biggest difference. No, great. And I also think I remember that there may be a change at the NIH where they're actually going to fund more studies looking into gun violence. There may have been a prohibition for a while, if I recall correctly, studying gun violence. Is that correct? Yep. Up until 2019, there was something called the Dickey Amendment, which prevented um, federal funds disseminated, particularly for gun violence prevention research that was lifted. We're actually one of the first eight centers to receive that type of funding. Um, And that's just building now. So that's really creating a new stream of firearm injury researchers, a lot of momentum in the academics about this. um, And and that's great. And we we need much more funding because the amount that's there right now is is minuscule compared to other leading causes of death. But it's, it's certainly good news. All right. Well, I'm going to let you have the sort of final word to my audience about where you see this going and sort of, I was going to use the phrase call to arms, but perhaps call to action. (laughs) Well, I I think, you know, no matter how big a problem this seems, just remember there is something you can do. Not only are you a physician or a healthcare provider, um, you know, that that offers such an opportunity to have conversations and to educate folks on this. Think about the COVID-19 vaccine and, and COVID-19 in general, right? That was an opportunity for all of us. And uh, you can do this in a way that's depolarizing and not political. Absolutely. Um, and and, and um, that would be my biggest, honestly, call to action, just get engaged. I mean, this is something, if it hasn't affected your community already, it will. Um, again, if we're talking about suicide, unintentional injury, or homicide, this is something that affects all our community. It doesn't matter where you live. No one is immune. And um, I think we all need to step up to do our part 
uh, in changing the conversation and reframing this as a public health issue. And I couldn't say it better myself. Thank you so much for your time, sir. Thank you. And that's today's episode of the Specialist Spotlight. Thank you for joining us. For more stories like these, visit us at pvroundup.com to subscribe to our weekly newsletters. You can send any tips or suggestions to editorial at pvroundup.com. Subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, or Google. You can also download our Amazon Alexa Flash Briefing Medical News Roundup and just ask, what's my Flash Briefing? Thanks today to our guest, Dr. Chaitan Sathya, and to Norm Dion, Sean Mullen, and Kate Rio for production assistance. Join me next time for an episode where we'll cover the latest stories in the world of medicine.